Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Catherine Porth, who is the founder of Let Her Speak, where she curates women-empowered events, conducts female-focused research, and develops leadership growth education. She founded Let Her Speak originally with one purpose, to share the stories of women who often get overlooked and forgotten. Her mission is to bring more visibility and support to all women in business. She believes that through community, research, and education, more women will rise to leadership positions. She is also the director of insight and development for the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center. We have so much to talk about here, Catherine. So let's just jump right into this. All right. Thank you so much for having me, Summer. Absolutely. So before we dive into your professional background, can you give us a picture of what it was like growing up in Iowa, what brought you to Knoxville, Tennessee, and what has influenced you to create Let Her Speak? So I I love talking about growing up in Iowa because I feel like it's such a it's a space of mystery for most people. Nobody really has a reason to go to Iowa unless you're in agriculture. Um, so, so I love it because, um, Iowa is such a a beautiful, beautiful place that I think people forget about unless it's the caucus season. Um, and it's, it, it was your, typical like middle America place to grow up where, you know, you could bike to your friend's house and, um, everybody knew everybody's neighbor, you know, I'd go around to, we lived on a cul-de-sac. And so all of our neighbors were like in their fifties and sixties. Um, and then we would go to my family's farm a lot of times on the weekends, at least once a month, we would be at my grandma and grandpa's farm. Um, and now that's where my parents live is up where most of my family is because we're all from a farming community, farming families. And, uh, so now we, whenever we go back up, you know, my parents usually at sunset will bring out wine or a gin and tonic if it's hot out. And we watch the cornfields and the, um, lightning bugs rising up out of the corn during the middle of the summer and watch the sunset. And, um, so it's just, it's a magical, beautiful place that I feel like people just don't respect or understand how important it is to the way that the rest of the country has to run since we run on farming. Right. Absolutely. It does sound like a magical place that really is connected to your soul. So I love the explanation of how you define that and explain what that picture looked like for you growing up in Iowa. I completely understand because my grandparents had a ranch in California. And so they grew apples and they also had a sawdust plant where they made topsoil and stuff for agriculture. So um, yes, that is amazing. And right, rightly so to describe it that way, because Iowa, Ohio, the states, we kind of look at them and go, well, what's going on there? And you're right. They're in the caucus. You know, we know we hear about Iowa. 
Yes. Yep. Exactly. That is the only time that you hear about it unless, you know, there's something about corn going on and then, and then you hear about Iowa. But other than that, you know, we have the Iowa Hawkeyes, which, you know, are near and dear into my heart, even though I didn't go to Iowa. They're my favorites. Um, so it's kind of like the three things that people talk about with Iowa. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So how did your experiences growing up in Iowa help you develop Let Her Speak? And can you tell people about Let Her Speak and what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, I always say that there was at least five or six reasons why Let Her Speak came to be. Um, if I actually traced every single one back and, you know, different things that weaved together that I didn't realize until this thing came out of me that, that I didn't even plan on, on developing or or building. Um, But part of that thread really came from um, growing up in a place that most people don't understand. Most of the country ignores, nobody really respects it. And, and I started thinking about how that has affected me as a person who comes from a place that is often forgotten about Mm -hmm. um, and, and that people don't respect the profound impact that it has on the rest of our economy and the rest of the way that our country functions um, is through farming and agriculture a lot of times. Um, And then I started realizing that a little, I have a little bit of that frustration just as a woman too, of, of a woman who comes from a place that nobody cares about necessarily or thinks about or talks about um, or, or really understands and um, how so many women who come from places that aren't the major metropolitan cities, not the New York, Chicago's, LA's, um, Atlanta's that, that have stories and have a voice and, and have things to share with the world and a vision for the world and a way to impact it that that most people don't don't necessarily give them a platform to talk about it because you're not in a big city that has those types of resources. So when I moved from Iowa, I, I went to college at University of South Carolina, and then I, I came back for a little while. Um, and then I moved down to Knoxville, um, partially because my my husband was is a scientist at the National Lab, another place shrouded in mystery. <laughs> that nobody really knows what goes on at the lab. Um, and, and I, I recognized that that same thing was, was here in, in East Tennessee. It's, it's a space that, um, is absolutely gorgeous. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to live. Um, and, and Knoxville is a decent sized city, but we're, we're often forgotten about, um, people, people drive through us on the way to Gatlinburg to go to the Smoky Mountains and they don't always stop in the city. But there are so many incredible, incredible people in this town that are trying to do things that could impact the entire world, whether you're in the sciences or if you're in the medical field, um, if you're in the maker community, the entrepreneur community, academia, there's so many brilliant people. Um, and it's the same thing, you know, back in Iowa, there are brilliant people everywhere that that don't really have platforms built for them. So that's a little bit of where it started of we need something. And, and I guess I am one of the people to do it because I'm just frustrated enough to, to be passionate, to do this. And um, the vision was always, I'll start here in Knoxville, but I want to go out to secondary and tertiary areas of the world that don't have things like this, don't have resources, don't have 
the population of people that, that will build something like that. And at least I can build it and bring it out to these other cities and communities for women that, that don't have this type of support system. Yeah. I love your explanation of that and how you've correlated that with Iowa, how you grew up, what you saw, what you felt, how that developed into let her speak. And as you said, to reach people in these different areas like Knoxville, like these smaller cities, as you said, these tertiary areas. So it's really important that we have spaces like yours, like Let Her Speak, to hear about these people's journeys and their challenges, their resiliency, their creations, their brilliance. So thank you so much for creating a space like that. So you're also a research nut, as am I. (laughs) So I, and I love it. I love nerding out on research. I love reading data. So it must be awesome being the director of insights and development for the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center, which I'm sure is helpful to you also as an entrepreneur and having let her speak. So can you tell us a bit more about this position and how this might help support what you do? So the interesting thing about this position um, was that I basically created it for Mm -hmm. myself. And uh, because I had had a relationship with the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center since a few months after moving to Knoxville. And I just celebrated living in Knoxville five years. Um, I think it might be around right now. I can't remember what date (laughs) I actually moved there. But a few months in, I connected with KEC and became a mentor. And then that's another way of how I I developed this idea was not only bringing my own experiences, but I started meeting a lot of other women, a lot of other entrepreneurs and people in the community that were trying to do something um, and just weren't quite sure how do I do this and and how do I find the right people to talk to about what I'm trying to build. And because of my connection with KEC and, and the people I met, I went back and decided to get my MBA. And through my MBA program, I became connected to a data analytics and insights company called um, Servature, which I, I still partner with um, to this day on, on some research that I do. But it was because of that connection that I realized, and I had always known that I loved research and I loved data, but I didn't have the standard qualifications or pedigree that market research companies are looking for. Because I applied for jobs in market research and always got denied, even though I, I knew I had an analytical research brain and I could pick it up you know, within a couple of weeks, I could, I could figure out exactly what I needed to do. Um, And, and this company saw that in me that I have this curious brain and I, and I look at things um, in a different way. And I understand how to tell story through data so that it's approachable and, and it's easy to digest for people who aren't analytically brained, but there might be more connected to story or emotion. And how do you connect that with, um, with people that understand data in that way? And because of my experience working with Servature, that's really where I started using data to inform what I could do for women empowerment and, and using data. Um, so not just my emotion, not just my, my backstory, but honestly, what is the data telling me of what women need? What are the barriers that are holding them back? What goals do they set for themselves? How do they perceive themselves? And what are the systems that are currently in place that are helping? And what are the systems that are in place that are hurting? 
And it, it was because of everything I learned both from going back to school for my master's, but also working with this data company that I was able to build up a way to do research for women about women and, and using both qualitative and quantitative data for that. And because of everything that I learned and how I learned how to put all of that together to build programming, to build content, to build events and everything else that I do through Let Her Speak, um, I knew that that KEC also was trying to do that and they just hadn't had um, the right person that, that could bring all of that together and understands and connect. And, and so I always say like, I'm a dot connector, whatever the dots are, whether it's people, whether it's data points, whatever it is, I can connect them and I can figure out what's there. And I can tell it in a way that people can understand. So I approached Jim Biggs, who's our executive director at KEC and said, you know, I've been doing this for letters speak. KEC is actually my fiscal sponsor of letters speak and our the majority of the reason why it exists anyways was because they they loved what, what this vision that i had and they they knew that i if i said i was going to do something i was going to do it and was going to and i was going to do it to the best that i could um, and I talked to them about what I was doing and how I could see using what my skill sets are and what I've been able to build with Letter Speak and convert that into what KEC was needing and all of the sub communities that KEC serves. So I essentially pitched this new role idea to KEC, and they were like, "Absolutely, we would love for you to to do that for us." So that's essentially yeah. what I'm I've been able to do now is I'm trying to bring all of these siloed things that are happening in our entrepreneur ecosystem and finding ways to connect them all together, but also as a way to tell the story of the impact that we're having. Because when you work with entrepreneurs, it can seem very messy and very chaotic because, you know, one minute they're doing this and then that person um, maybe sells to a private equity and now they're off doing this other thing, but like they're, they're always entrepreneurs. They're just doing 20 different things because that's in our nature that we yeah, want to yeah. do all the things and start all the things because we're so passionate about it. So it's much more difficult to actually report data uh, on impact for that, but, but there is a way to do it. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to put together right now. Oh my gosh. You are a rock star dot connector. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. That is so awesome. I I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm just like, yeah, I'm totally nerding out on this. I love it. I absolutely love it. And see, I am data driven too. So when I created core women, the first thing I, I did was I need a survey. I need to survey women and see where the needs are. And I'm a phenomenologist by study. So I am a qualitative researcher. I do quantitative as well, but of course the numbers are important, but the stories are also important. So, and that's where the qualitative data comes in because many times, as you probably know, Catherine, when you go into a doctor's office, the first question they ask you is, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. And they want the story. So it's not necessarily about the numbers. You've done the numbers by creating, you know, filling out their surveys, but they want the story. Why? Because the story is important. And so that is exactly what you have created by creating a foundation like Let Her Speak. And you're bringing that research to the together, that qualitative research, quantitative research, the stories, and you're connecting the dots. And I love also what you say about entrepreneurship. Yeah, we get really squirrel. It's it's like we. <laughs> 
it's funny because we've got, we use our left and right side of our brain, right? So we're using that analytical aspect of our brain and the creative part of our brain. Somehow as entrepreneurs and bringing that together, some use their left or right side more than others. But a lot of times we're so creative and we're like, hey, hey, we want to do this. We want to do that. We want to do this. It's like, okay, bring it in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you talk about that. And I love that because- a lot of times when you're planning for, let's say you're planning for your year or your Q1, your quarter one or your quarter two, that's so important to plan, to get the strategy. And this is what you're talking about. You're a planner, you're a dot connector, you, you're a rock star in relation to how you view things because you're bringing your curiosity and your creativity and your analytics together. And I love it. So thank you for explaining that because that is just so fantastic. And I love that you created a position for yourself. Everybody hear this, who's listening, you can do this too. You can go out there and you can create something for yourself, whether it's a position or whether it's a foundation or a book, whatever you desire you can do this and you want to contact people like Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will be more than happy to be the one that, that you talk about what your dream position is. Cause it, uh, all it takes is, you know, for, I think it's because I, I started in corporate sales. And mm-hmm. so I got really used to getting no's all the time that no doesn't scare me at all. So it's like, why not? I'll just, I'll ask, Hey, do you think that this is something that you would like? If you say no, cool. All right. I'll, you know, figure something else out, but, but it doesn't hurt me whatsoever for somebody to tell me no at this point. It's, I am totally fine. I don't take it personally. Oh, that's fantastic. I love hearing that too. And that's such an important message for so many to hear because we can be discouraged so easily by the first no. And many people who are successful get many no's before they get that. Yes. So Well, and a lot of times what I find with a lot of um, some of the women that I work with is that the first no is internal and they tell themselves no before anybody else could ever even give them an answer. And so I always like to say, uh, and I, I heard this from somebody and I can't even remember who the woman was, but said, don't let somebody else tell you no, you don't get to tell yourself no. Right. Yeah. When it, when it comes to something that you really want. Absolutely. Good point. We just put out a video today on analysis paralysis and basically how we internalize same thing, how we Mm -hmm. internalize all of the stuff and we get in the way of ourselves before we ever start before we ever ask. So yeah, we're talking the same language here, but in a different way. So, um, can you tell us about your events and where they are hosted for let her speak? Yeah. Yeah. So when Let Her Speak first started, it, honestly, it was just a passion project. I was going to do it one time and, you know, let's see if this theory that I have actually works out. And, and so we hosted it at a um, space that actually has changed into a different space um, here in Knoxville. And it was just with 50 women. And I usually cap my events at no more than 50 um, because I've, I've read several studies that when you're dealing with intimate conversations in spaces that you want to ensure feel safe for people to openly speak, whether they're introverted, extroverted, or somewhere in that spectrum, 
um, when you get over 50 people, it, it can be very difficult for people that are, are, are more likely to be quiet and not feel comfortable standing up more than likely they're going to shut down and just sit there and, and don't really um, participate as actively. When you get below 50, it's much more easier for people to feel like they could connect with every person in that room. And they, they can remember, you know, most people who they are, what they do, you, you get over that, then you reach max capacity for your memory to remember like who are all of these people. And so I like, I generally don't do very well at big conferences, but I do really well at small events because I am more of an introverted type of personality. Um, but because of that first event in 2018 went so well, and I had such a huge amount of positive feedback that I just kept going with it. And I kept them in person at different locations around Knoxville. And then the pandemic happened. Don't know if anybody knew that, but there was a pandemic for the last <laughs> almost two years. Oh, no, and- no, no. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and the pandemic, actually, the week of lockdown was the week of our second annual Let Her Speak Women's Summit. It was supposed to happen that week. Um, Obviously did not happen. Mm -hmm. Um, We had to we had to postpone, but it it allowed me to rethink ways that I could bring the same type of experience that happens when you're in person with somebody to a virtual space, which is incredibly difficult. I'm sure all of us can relate to being on Zooms that seem to last forever. And all we want to do is just turn our camera off and just, you know, disconnect from all technology. And I totally am that type of person that prefers to be in person. But I I started researching different types of platforms out there, ways that we can still allow women to meet every single person in that room and have intimate conversations with every person in that room verbally, not just through chat, which I know um, became really popular is to, to put everything in, in your chat and, um, and ways to bring the space into the space that you're in, a physical manifestation of something that you could have with you when you're in this, um, in this virtual space. So um, for the, the, I did a workshop to test this out and it was all about breaking down your own barriers. We researched the five archetypes of imposter syndrome and sort of, and helped women mind map what happens in your brain when, and what are the indications that imposter syndrome is, is creeping in, or it's a, it's a phenomenon more than a syndrome. But by, by the time I, I had done all of that and understood what were the best ways to do this. I had decided that I was going to do the Women's Summit virtually in October of 2020. And so using the same platform that I had found that we'd be able to connect individually at roundtable settings and you could pick where you wanted to virtually sit and talk with the women at your space. And there was whiteboard for us to be able to do activities together. But I also put together an experience box that every woman received And every woman that we had as speakers for the summit, uh, because we have storytellers that are women that you, um, you might not have ever heard of, you might not even know, but they have these incredible stories that I've had the opportunity to hear. And then I asked them to be a storyteller for the women's summit and to challenge us with questions related to their experience, um, whatever that might be. And every woman that was a speaker selected a gift that was a symbol of her story. And after that woman's story in your experience box, we asked every woman then to unwrap that gift and, and to listen about what is this connection. So now that woman 
heard the story, had a conversation, and also has a physical representation of that woman's story so that 50 women um, all have this shared experience and all are able to infuse that memory into something physically um, when we can't be together. So that's something that we're going to actually continue doing even when we come back in person, um, because we still, I still prefer to do in person when we can. So we'll do more than likely um, one virtual event a year. The rest will be in-person events, but as we, and we'll expand it to other cities is the plan and, and use the same model of, you know, at least one virtual so everybody can come together, but, but really focusing on who are the women in your community that you could run into on, on the street or in the grocery store um, and start cultivating those support systems. Uh, the best that we can. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you for explaining all of that. Now they can reach you and get involved in this by going to your website. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So let her speak us.com is our website. So there's a space for you to connect for our email newsletters, updates about what's coming up. Uh, Usually anything that we're rolling out that's new, like a new workshop, we're actually working on a new leadership cohort program that we'll be testing in 2022 and then launching hopefully in late 2022. Um, We open that up to our community first, and then we talk about it on our social media platforms. And then there is going to be more opportunities too for women to share their stories. We do a project for Women's History Month every year now, and we go out to our community of the email newsletter community that we have and ask them if they would like to share their story, whether it's written, video, uh, a piece of art, a craft that they created, whatever that is. Um, We really focus on talking to that community first and giving them that opportunity first. Oh, fantastic. This sounds like so much great information and you're doing so much for community. So thank you for that. As we come to the close of this interview, because we've gone through so much, you've answered so much and you've offered so much to us today. But as we come to the close of the interview, my last question is always, if you could leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? It's really tough for me to pick out just one, but I think the one that I repeat to myself on a regular basis, partially because it's my background on my computer is uh, a quote that I've had up for gosh, like five years now that, that says the soul is dyed the color of its thoughts. And it's something that I repeat often to myself of, I can't control externally what people say to me, but I can control what I say to myself and what I think about others and what I think about a situation Um, and, and if I visualize the colors that I want my soul to be, you know, I, I want them to be vibrant and I want them to be beautiful and I want them to be positive and optimistic. And so I, I, that's one of my favorite quotes is Mm. because it's, it's one of the things that you can control, um, the most. And we, we often aren't always mindful of what's going on in our brains. Sometimes our brains take over without us knowing it. (laughs) (laughs) Through that. Well, thank you, Catherine, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you very much, Summer. Absolutely. You can connect and follow Catherine Porth on LinkedIn and Let Her Speak US on Facebook and Instagram and at her website at LetHerSpeakUS.com. 
Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.